This week, we discuss the perfectionist, superwoman, soloist, natural genius, and expert. Bringing hope and healing. It's your source for personal growth, mental health, and interesting ideas. Thoughtful Mind with Svee. Here's your host, Svee Hilsenrath. And welcome back to Thoughtful Mind with Svee. I'm your host, Svee Hilsenrath. This week's Gratitude City is Indianapolis, Indiana. This week, we're going to be talking about imposter syndrome. What is imposter syndrome? Clinically, imposter syndrome is when someone is unable to internalize their accomplishments. So you get a feeling that you're a fraud, that at any moment, everyone's going to realize that the emperor has no clothes and everything's going to be over, that you're not as good as everyone thinks that you are. Someone with imposter syndrome believes that all their success is due to either luck or chance. It can end at any moment. That your success is due to a lack of competition or being at the right place at the right time. Anything except you. Anything except your skills, your accomplishments, your talents. It's a form of story. In episode 19, we spoke about the stories we tell ourselves. And this is a story that you're telling yourself. That you're fake and that soon everyone will find out. If you have imposter syndrome, you believe other people think that you are better or smarter or more talented than you really are. And it's important to note that people suffering from imposter syndrome are actually talented, successful, smart, good people. They've earned their success and deserve whatever rewards and praise comes to them. If they didn't, it wouldn't be imposter syndrome, it would be reality. There's a good story I read uh, from author Neil Gaiman. So Neil Gaiman is one of the most critically acclaimed and talented authors of of the end of the 20th century and beginning of the 21st century. And he says this story. Some years ago, I was lucky enough to be invited to a gathering of great and good people, artists and scientists, writers and discoverers of things. And I felt that at any moment, they would realize that I didn't qualify to be there among these people who had really done things. On my second or third night there, I was standing at the back of the hall while a musical entertainment happened. And I started talking to a very nice, polite, elderly gentleman about several things, including our shared first name. And then he pointed to the hall of people and said words to the effect of, I just look at these people and I think, what am I doing here? They've made amazing things. I just went where I was sent. And I said, yes, but you were the first man on the moon. I think that counts for something. And Neil Gaiman continues, and I felt a little better, because if Neil Armstrong felt like an imposter, maybe everyone did. And so here's an example of two successful, talented, smart people who feel like fakes. Imposter syndrome was first discussed by Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes in 1978, and the current expert in the field is Dr. Valerie Young, who literally wrote the book on imposter syndrome. And the link to that will be in the show notes. Which brings us to our quote of the week from Agatha Christie. I don't know whether every author feels it, but I think quite a lot do, that I am pretending to be something I am not because, even nowadays, I do not quite feel as though I am an author. And this is coming from the most successful popular author of all time, only outsold by the Bible and Shakespeare. Another example, I was watching a documentary on the recording of music called Sound Breaking. And there, they discussed how most singers hate their voices. Most professional singers hate their voices and think that they're not great singers. And this is not necessarily low self-esteem because many of these people have good self-esteem. They just feel like in this particular aspect of their lives, and specifically when it comes to work, 
they're not as good as everyone thinks that they are, and they're waiting for someone to figure it out. And at first, the imposter syndrome was thought to be something that only women experienced, and the vast majority of research over the years and treatment over the years has focused on women. However, recently it was discovered that men equally suffer from imposter syndrome. And there's a test online, I'll put a link in the description, to test to see whether or not you suffer from imposter syndrome. And I can speak personally, this is something that I've struggled with uh, for a long time, um, is this feeling of... I'm faking it and everyone's going to find out and I'm just waiting for people to figure out that I'm not as good as everyone thinks that I am. And I've used some of the techniques that we'll discuss later in the episode to address that and realize that, no, I'm actually pretty great. Imposter syndrome is very hard to live with and can lead to stress and it can lead to anxiety, shame. Uh, it can chip away your confidence so you're not as confident in yourself and it can even lead to depression. Um, it's exhausting, always living on the edge, always worried when other people find out that you're a fraud. Again, even though this is not true, if you're really not good at your job, if you're really not good at this thing that you feel you're an imposter at, then that's just reality. But this is specifically, you are good at it. Everyone recognizes it except for you. Imposter syndrome limits people's life opportunities because if you feel like you're a fraud, and you feel like you don't deserve your current job or relationship or success or happiness, then you're not going to pursue other opportunities. Because why would I pursue something else when I'm not even good at this? And so you end up selling yourself short and, and you won't apply for, let's say, a promotion or a better job, or you won't pursue a better job or a better relationship. You avoid situations which might expose you for the fraud that you believe you are. Again, even though this is not the truth. Studies show that up to 70% of people experience imposter syndrome at some point in their career. It's unclear how much of this transfers to other areas of life, so we don't know what the percentages are of imposter syndrome in everyday situations or in life in general, because most of the research is done specifically about work and careers. The literature talks about five types of imposter syndrome. And it's important to realize that these are just uh, theoretical models and that a person can fit into more than one of them or a person can fit into none of them but still have imposter syndrome. But these are the five types that are spoken about. The first is the perfectionist. And the perfectionist is someone who sets impossibly high goals. And when they fail to reach those goals, they have self-doubt and believe they're subpar, that they're not normal. So not all perfectionists have imposter syndrome. But if a person is prone to perfectionism, then they're more likely to suffer from imposter syndrome because they set the bar so high, impossibly high, and then when they don't meet those impossibly high goals, instead of realizing that they're impossibly high, they look at themselves as lacking. They look at themselves as subpar. You can often tell the perfectionist as somebody that says, if I want something done right, I need to do it myself. They're afraid to let go. They're often a control freak. Someone who's a perfectionist feels like they need to be on 100%, 100% of the time. They need to be at full volume, turned up to 11, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And when they do accomplish and when they do reach their goals, it means nothing because whatever they've done could have been done better. And in the perfectionist's head, the perfectionist thinks that everyone expects them to do better, even though 
In reality, people don't. The next type of imposter syndrome is the superwoman or the superman. And that is, it's a two-step process. So first you believe that you're fake, that your accomplishments aren't real, that everyone else that you work with or, or, or the people in your field are doing the real work or they're doing a good job. And so you work harder and longer than anyone else to keep up with what you believe everyone else is doing. Now, this may be fueled by insecurity and it may be fueled by a need for validation, not for what's accomplished, but for the volume of work done. It's almost as if you're trying to make up for your false lack of skill by working so hard that people have to acknowledge you. And many workaholics fall into this category where instead of focusing on what needs to be done and how well can it be done, it's how much can I do? And if I do so much, I will fill myself up. I'll fill up my self-worth. But because you're suffering from imposter syndrome, because you believe that everyone else is doing better, you keep chasing it. You keep chasing that level that you believe everyone else is on, not by the quality of your work, but by the quantity of your work. The next type of imposter syndrome is the natural genius. So the natural genius believes that they need to be accomplished and competent at everything they do right away or after a short learning period. If they take a long time to learn and master something, then they feel shame. They feel like there's something defective about them. If something comes easily to them, they feel good. If it takes any amount of effort past just a small amount, they feel like they're not good. They feel like they're defective. And then they will avoid doing that activity as much as possible. And so the natural genius expects themselves to be perfect and amazing or a natural genius at everything in life. And this builds on perfectionism, not only by setting the bar high, but expecting to be amazing at everything at this high bar every single time, the first time. And because this is an impossible goal, when the natural genius doesn't achieve this impossible goal, they feel like they're a fake. If they struggle to get somewhere, they feel like they're subpar. They feel like they're not as good as everyone else. Everyone else gets it naturally, and they don't. Again, when it comes to imposter syndrome, a lot of it is projecting on what other people are, even though other people aren't. So in this case, the natural genius also assumes everyone else is like this. And if I'm struggling, it's because there's something wrong with me. The soloist is the next type of imposter syndrome sufferer. This is a person who feels like asking for help proves that they're fake or they're worthless, that they tie independence to their self-worth. And so if I need help or I need to learn something and I need to ask somebody else to teach it to me, or if I have a task that I cannot do alone, then I'm a fake. I'm no good because I can't do something independently. In reality, everybody needs help sometimes. Some things we can do independently. Some things we need help in the beginning, and then we can learn to do it independently. And sometimes we need help every single time we do an activity. Nobody is truly independent. And the last type of person that suffers from imposter syndrome is the expert. And the expert measures their self-worth and competence against how much they know or can do. And the problem is that it's impossible to know everything, and so the expert is always afraid of being found lacking in knowledge, the person that can't say, I don't know. Someone who avoids opportunities because of a perceived lack of knowledge or expertise. They're always feeling like a newcomer or a rookie or like they're just starting out because they haven't learned enough or because they don't have enough experience. 
And like we mentioned before, this stops this person suffering from imposter syndrome from pursuing new activities or pursuing new careers or advancement in their career because they feel they're just not good enough or they won't be good enough or they don't know enough. And so they keep trying to learn more or pushing off things to avoid having to learn more. Like I mentioned before, people that experience imposter syndrome often have elements of two or more types. As I mentioned before, there's something I struggle with, including I struggle with the ideas of the expert, of self-worth and competence against how much I know. Um, I struggle with the natural genius feeling like I need to be able to do everything correctly the first time and be amazing at it. And also a little bit from the perfectionist. And I see this a lot in clients as well working with people who set up these unrealistic expectations for themselves in any of the different areas that we just discussed. And then when they can't meet those expectations, it causes so much pain. So what can we do about it? What can we do about imposter syndrome? The first thing is to acknowledge your accomplishments and achievements. You know, I mentioned before that I'm great. And I'm not saying that because I'm trying to be egotistical. I'm saying that to remind myself as I'm putting together this episode and and things that I've worked on in the past came up uh, again, that I am great. Again, not because I'm trying to be egotistical, but because I'm trying to remind myself that I've accomplished things, that I have talents, and that I have skills that I've worked hard at, and I'm good at what I do. And saying that out loud, even to myself, but also importantly, being able to say it to other people without making a joke about it, being serious about it, helps remind us that we are not fakes, that we do have talents and accomplishments. Remind yourself when you're looking back at your accomplishments, it's easy to see what went wrong, but something done well is better than something not done perfectly. And sure, Everybody could have done something better every time, but focus out loud and to someone else on what went right, not on what went wrong. And when you do this, resist the urge to mention the negative to balance out. Often people with imposter syndrome, and I see this when I work with clients, I'll finally get them to talk about themselves positively or to talk about the positive side of what they've accomplished or what they've done or their relationships, what they bring to a relationship. And I see how uncomfortable they are. And nine times out of 10, almost like they feel compelled to, they immediately mention two or three things that are negative to balance out the positive they've just said. Because it's so ingrained in people not to believe in themselves, to believe that they're fakes, that when you go against that, it takes time and practice to be able to speak positively about yourself and what you've done or what you bring to the table without the feeling the need to mention the negative to balance it out. Another thing is that often people will say it as a joke. Saying the positive as a joke is another form of being uncomfortable with saying positive about yourself. Now, obviously, you don't want to be uh, annoying or, or conceited. But imposter syndrome is almost the opposite side of the coin because someone who's uh, uh, conceited is someone who's the opposite problem, who believes in themselves more than they are worth. But it's important to build your inner cheerleader so you can value what you've accomplished without needing to constantly push harder and harder with diminishing and sometimes damaging returns. Because if you work yourself to the bone, you're going to hurt yourself. If you stop yourself from growing because you're afraid that you don't know enough or you're not good enough, 
then that's that's hurting and that's that's diminishing your life. So practice becoming your own cheerleader. Push yourself to do things you believe you're not ready or qualified to do. I, obviously within reason. Like don't go mountain climbing with no harness if you've never with no guide if you have no training. Like don't do that. But within reason, push yourself to do things you don't think that you're ready to do. I, first of all, you might just be selling yourself short. You probably are. And yes, you might struggle in the beginning, but don't fall trapped to being a natural genius. Everyone struggles with new things in the beginning. Another thing is to accept failure and mistakes as a part of learning. You're a work in process. Everyone's entire life is a work in process. Someone that lives their life well doesn't stop growing until the day that they're dead. Missteps and mistakes are part of the learning process. Be realistic. And when you make a mistake, identify the specific thing to improve. So instead of just saying everything went wrong or it was horrible or or exaggerating what's wrong about it, focus on the positive, like we said before, be the inner cheerleader, and then be realistic and identify specific things to improve. By breaking up this feeling, this negative feeling into specific things, it's going to help break up the feeling of being an imposter. Because as we spoke about in our externalization episode, problems want you to ignore the positive in your life and in yourself. Problems want to control the narrative. Problems want to control how you think and feel. So problems don't want you to be realistic. The imposter syndrome does not want you to be realistic. It does not want you to take steps to correctly improve where you need improvement, but also value what you bring to the table and what you've accomplished. So by being very specific and very realistic, instead of a feeling, for example, of the the superwoman that we discussed before, oh, everyone's doing better, be specific. What is everyone doing and how can you measure up in quality without working yourself to the bone in quantity. Realize that you're in a long journey of life and true mastery requires lifetime practice. I heard something recently about LeBron James, the great basketball player. Some say he's the greatest basketball player of all time. I'm not a sports guy. I don't know for sure, but that's what I've heard. And I was told he shoots hundreds of baskets every day. Here he is, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, if not the greatest, but every day he shoots on his own time for practice, hundreds of baskets because he wants to continue to refine and refine and refine his skills. And so true mastery is something that takes constant practice and perfection, as we mentioned before, is not really attainable. So you're on a long journey of life and being good, but not great or being great and not perfect is fine because Everyone is always improving. Another way to battle imposter syndrome is to share with others your knowledge and skills. So by teaching others how to do what you're doing or by being of service to others, you can show yourself just how much you do know. And this happened to me uh, when I became a peer mentor and then later on uh, a supervisor. It helped me realize how strong I was in my own skill set. And so by teaching other people, you are forced to come face to face with how much you actually know and how good you actually are. If you notice the imposter syndrome talking to you and trying to get you to think a certain way, throwing thoughts in your head, uh, another simple CBT thing that we discussed during the inner critic episode was to observe the thought, think your brain and move on. And so 
Instead of fighting the thought, you listen to it. You say, thank you, brain. And then you move on with whatever you are doing. You're not ignoring it. You're just moving on. You can also think critically. Like, is this, here's a thought. Is this thought helpful to me? It's not. Thank you. And move on with your life. Now, all these techniques take practice. And if you don't get them right away, you're not an imposter. You're human. Thank you to everyone that's been listening. Uh, We recently hit over 13,000 listens to the podcast. I'm blown away. 13,000 listens to the podcast. That's amazing. So thank you to everyone that's been listening. If you want to get in touch with me, you can do that through my website, thoughtfulmindpodcast.com, through the email, thoughtfulmindpodcast at gmail.com, or through the telephone number, 732-523-0061. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with somebody else. If you're able to share this episode or any episode on social media, it's truly appreciated. And if you could take a couple of minutes to go onto the Apple Podcast app or iTunes, and rate the episode, and more specifically, write a review. I truly appreciate that. That that really means a lot to me, because it lets me know how much you value what I'm doing. Thank you. And until next time, go out, believe in yourself.